Hello everyone, my name is Adu and this is Expats Exposed, honest conversations with expats around the globe. This podcast is brought to you by ReadyGo Expat. For videos about life in different countries, interviews with expats and travel guides, go to youtube.com forward slash ReadyGo Expat. Hello everyone, welcome back. Uh, today we're here with Arthur. He is currently in Georgia, the country in Europe, not the state. And I actually met him through his YouTube channel. I was looking for information about living in Georgia and like digital nomad life in Georgia. And that's how I met him. So I invited him to the podcast today. Hi, Arthur. How are you? Hi, Eduardo. I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I, can you please start talking about your YouTube channel and also where are you from and how you ended up in Georgia? Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here today. Um, yeah, I run a little channel called Gringo Nation. Um, and it's basically a channel about traveling, but more, more specifically about digital nomads, um, solo travelers and expats. And I want to help these people through their own travel adventures because I've been doing this for a while myself. Um, so the channel, that is the intent of the channel to help expats travel the world. Um, I arrived in Georgia in March of 2020. I had been in Portugal for about a month and a half and the coronavirus situation was getting a little bad over there. So I thought it could be good to spend the summer here in Georgia. It's also a very cheap country. Um, and they offer one-year visas. So I thought I'd spend the summer here in Georgia and then I would go back to Portugal towards the end of the year. But we are now in December and I'm still here. Um, yeah, so that's briefly how I got to Georgia. And well, my name is Arthur. Some people call me Art or even Gringo, hence Gringo Nation. And I'm a Brazilian, but I'm also an American passport holder. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles, but I was born in Brazil. When I was about 13 years old, I moved from Los Angeles back to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I was, and I lived there until I was 29. And then this whole travel thing started. Yeah, good, good. It's, it's, um, I saw your, that's one of your YouTube channels, like, uh, sorry, one of you, your YouTube videos talks about your story and it's all, um, the sketches and stuff. It's, it's yeah, great. it's animated by, by my good friend, Nikki. Yes. Who also um, has a YouTube channel called Sketchbook Travel. Sketchbook Travel. Great. And, and she's also in a lot of your videos, of course, right? Yes, she is. We spend a lot of time together. Yeah. So um, you said that like you grew up in, in, in Sao Paulo, then you moved to LA, and then you, were back, you went back to Sao Paulo. Like kind of like that. But the, the video explains it better, of course. Um, but for people who haven't watched the video, why did you decide to start traveling the world? Sure. So I guess I have to start off by saying I started traveling the world very late. Um, I'm not sh when I say travel the world, I mean like solo travel, because of course I had been traveling on vacation before that. Um, but when I was about 29, I had been I had a pretty steady job um, working as a translator at MTV Brazil. And I was yeah, it was, it was a pretty steady job, but it was also stagnant and I had been looking for a change for a while. Um, and then the company had a bit of a political shift and they had to fire the whole company and me along with all the other people. 
And I got a large severance pay from them. And when I saw all that money in my bank account, I thought that that was the perfect time to try something new, have a little change in life. So I literally went online um, and I researched what countries give uh, working holiday visas to American passport holders. Um, Australia seemed like the best option out of all of them. So I decided to spend one year in Australia, which turned into 15 months and it all stemmed from there. Lots of travel after that. Nice, nice. I've never been to Australia. Um, and I oh, didn't know they had this surprising. visa. This visa is for, you said, American passport holders, right? Yeah. So basically for Americans and Europeans, you can do one year working holiday visa if you are under 30 years of age. So I got, I got it right on time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then um, you ended up in Georgia. You mentioned that Georgia uh, it was easy for you to get like a one-year visa, you know. Um, can you talk about this one-year visa? Is it for most countries or is it something restricted? What do you need for that? Yeah, so basically, if I'm not mistaken, they offer this visa to 92 countries all over the world, um, which is a huge variety. Um, so they actually offer it to Brazilians and to Americans, so I was definitely covered on that, on that sense. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really easy, but basically it's a visa on arrival. So you just arrive in the country, they give you the visa, and I didn't get this, but apparently they give you a mini bottle of wine. A lot of my friends got the bottle of wine when they arrived. It's the only country that I've ever seen to give visitors a gift when you arrive. Wow, the visa on arrival and you get a bottle of wine. The last time I got a visa on arrival was to Vietnam. And I had to pay more when I got there. There was no... Well, the Vietnam visa, I think you actually, you have to apply for it online and stuff before you get there. There are, uh, it, it depends on, it depends what, what passport you have. So um, some of them, you do everything online. Uh, others, you have to do like me. I did it online. I got approved. They sent me the letter and I paid for it. When I got there, I had to pay 200 RMB again. Like it was another fee. And then they give me the sticker. So it's like, yeah. I had to do it two parts. I think if you are from the US, for example, if you got an American passport, it's a bit different. And you can do it like literally on arrival, just like you don't do anything depending on your passport. So guys, it's really important to check like vietnamvisa.org or, or something and check it because it really depends on your passport. Yeah, it is different for every country. Yeah. And then um, I was watching your videos, of course, about... Uh, you know, you live in there and going on weekend trips and stuff. And it's really, really interesting. Like what? and I was surprised by like, like, for example, you just mentioned wine. I didn't know that um, they actually, can you tell, can you tell us about like wine producing uh, in uh, what, sorry. Can you tell a bit about wine and the history of wine in Georgia? Sure. I'm, I'm no historian, but I'll try my best. <laughs> Uh, basically, uh, wine was born here in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they started making it here in the Caucasian mountains, and then obviously the, tr the tradition carried down. Um, and they have, yeah, very, a time old tradition of making wine. They have um, this thing called the kvevri, which is a clay vessel um, used for the storage and aging of wine. Um, basically, they put up to like two tons of wine the biggest vessels are two tons maybe, and there are all different kinds of sizes, but uh, they put the wine in this clay vessel and they bury it under the ground for up to six months. Um, and that 
gives the wine this really special flavor. Um, some of them are even amber wines, which is kind of the color is like a mix between red and white. So somewhere in between something very characteristic. That wine is very characteristic of Georgia. Uh, yeah, and they have their own blends of grapes and stuff and I cannot recommend their wine enough. It is truly delicious. Is it cheap? It's extremely cheap, yeah. So maybe I should get my uh, currency app out here so I can tell you more specifically. But yeah, you can get a, a, a nice bottle of wine for about 10 lari and that amounts to about $3. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. Yeah, but even cheaper than that. Uh, like, they make a lot of homemade wine, so um, sometimes it's even cheaper than that. Yeah. Great. And and what else surprised you about Georgia? Like, what what were like things that you didn't know about the country, and and really, you know, surprised you when you got there? Yeah, I hadn't really looked into the food, um, and that was definitely something that really surprised me um, positively. It's one of the most delicious food I've ever tasted. I will be sad when I have to leave the country because it's also not a, a food you see everywhere around the world. Um, so yeah, lots of bread, lots of cheese, lots of meat, uh, absolutely delicious. Uh, I think what also surprised me is how easy it is to travel domestically. Um, you can take weekend trips uh, and be somewhere really beautiful if you live here in the capital, Tbilisi. Uh, you can be somewhere beautiful in less than an hour. Um, you can take a train to the coast. That takes about five hours. Um, there's a place called Kazbegi, which is very re reminiscent of like Switzerland or, or New Zealand because it's this huge mountain range. And it's, that's only like three hours away here from TBDC. So I, I guess in general, the sheer beauty of the country surprised me. And that was definitely something positive, um, of course. Also, the, uh, you mentioned it, it's a very cheap place to live. That's why in a lot of your videos, you mentioned that like for digital nomads, it's, it's a great place because it's very close to other European countries, but it's still relatively cheap, right? Yeah, Tbilisi, uh, that's one of the reasons I came here is because Tbilisi, uh, I'm part of a lot of Facebook groups uh, with traveling teachers and stuff. And t there was a lot of talk about Tbilisi becoming this new digital nomad hub. So I really wanted to come check it out. And yeah, on a teacher's salary, an online teacher's salary, it's definitely a good living here. Great. Any other things that you'd say are, you know, the pros and also the cons about living there? Sure. So yeah, we've covered some of the pros. So the one year visa, how cheap everything is, the food, how easy it is to travel d domestically. Um, some of the cons, honestly, there are not that many, but I would say, you know, uh, the, the beaches, I'm a Brazilian, so I love, you know, as you know, we are very used to beautiful beaches. Um, so here, you know, they're, they're fine. It's, it's cool that they have a coast, but, um, you know, it's more pebble and rocky beaches. So that's something I, I'm definitely not into. Um, and also because we're Brazilians, we're used to very warm people, warm and friendly people. And here, you know, they're nice, but they're kind of of the colder variety and not everyone is fun and uplifting and stuff. So I think that's something like, I, I could consider that a pro, a uh, con, sorry. Um, yeah. And there are some other minor things, but honestly, probably not even worth getting into them because the pros do outweigh the cons very much. Sure. 
Sure, sure. And you mentioned that uh, one of the reasons you went there is because you saw that there was a, this growing interest uh, among digital nomads. In, in the capital city where you are, right, do you, is there an ex, like, uh, how, do you get involved with the expat community? Is there a large expat community there? Yeah, I would say it's large enough. You know, um, you can definitely meet a lot of people. Basically, everyone that I know here is, is an expat. Um, so, yeah, it's been a bit of a weird year with COVID, of course. But there are, you know, parties at people's houses and there are bars that expats like to go to. Um, so it is, especially if, in your, if you're in all the Facebook groups, you end up meeting a lot of um, like-minded people, people from your country or from other countries that are not Georgia as well. All right. And speaking of the locals now, um, speaking about the locals now, uh, can most citizens there, can, can the locals speak English? And if not, is it easy to get by uh, without speaking the local language? Yeah, so basically the older generation here, they speak Georgian, um, but they also speak Russian because of the Soviet Union. Um, so it's a little more difficult to communicate with the older generation. Um, I think people around 35 and younger, um, they speak some English, uh, they can communicate pretty well. Um, so you, you encounter all different types of people. Um, as for their language, you know, as, a, as an English and Portuguese, Spanish speaker, it's not extremely easy, but there are some things you can pick up quite easily, like the basics. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I'm just used to living in, uh, in countries where I don't know the language. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty, pretty easy to get by. Like, you can... You can point and there's always someone around that knows some level of English to help you. Um, and people in general are willing um, to understand and communicate as best possible. Yeah, I can see that in your videos, um, like the, the, the time that you and Nikki were like negotiating, you know, the price with, uh, like there are some guys there who like do that. And so you're just negotiating. I'm like, yeah, I just how point to the phone. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and that's yeah, and that's it. Like I that's I did that a lot in China. I just got a calculator. Like when I didn't know the numbers, for instance, they would just get a calculator and say, "Here." Like I mean, guys, anywhere in the world, someone wants to sell something. Like they're gonna be able to sell it. Like no matter what language, yeah. you know. So it's like um, it's really interesting to see that in your videos. Like and, and people, yeah. The, I think the locals are, are they seem very very welcoming. You know, so. Yeah, they have a saying here that um, a visitor is a gift from God. So it's, it's very important for them um, to have visitors. They, they do get very excited when they see foreigners and they like to gift people. And boy, do they like to invite you to have some shots of cha-cha, their local um, spirits with them as well. <laughs> nice. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. So It's like our, our, our cachaça. Yes, yes. Like in China, they have uh, Baijiu. Hi, Joe. That's right. Yes, yeah. Um, now, uh, you mentioned, I, I, I know you've already said, like, it, that, that it's cheap there. Um, what is cheap? Like, is it rent, food, um, going around the city, uh, traveling domestic? What is cheap there? What's the cost of living like there? Yeah, so I would say pretty much everything is cheap. So we're, when we talk about rent, um, Airbnbs, which are a little more expensive than if you speak to a local and try to rent one of their apartments, but an Airbnb is between 300 and $400 a month. 
Um, I've stayed at quite a few now and that's been the general range of them. Um, you can do a pretty good grocery shop with $20, 20 US dollars, um, maybe a bigger grocery shop with 25, 30. Um, one thing that is extremely cheap is the metro system, which works really well. Um, it's only 50 tetri, uh, tetri is cents in Georgian. So it's 50 Georgian cents. So you can only imagine how many US dollar cents that is. Um, so yeah, for one ride, 50 Georgian cents, um, you can take a, a mashrutka, which is like a minivan to uh, a neighboring town for the weekend or something that, that costs like 10 lari, which may be around $3, $2. Um, everything is extremely cheap. As we've talked about before, the wine, because it's all locally made, is, is extremely cheap. Uh, the beer is cheap too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it's hard to, to think of some. Oh, and I've been to quite a few doctor's appointments here. Um, I don't have any health insurance or anything. And that is something that I'm very, that I'm easily able to pay for even on an online teacher's salary. And did the doctor, were the doctors able to speak English? Um, so I go to an osteopath. She speaks Georgian and Russian and some English enough to, for it to work. And recently I did an endoscopy um, and actually I got like VIP treatment at the clinic because they knew I was a foreigner and they knew that the doctor didn't speak English. So the, the manager of the, of the clinic followed me around all day and translated everything for me. It was literally VIP treatment, as I'm sure you got some of that in China as well. <laughs> Kind of, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I know my friend, my friend got that in, um, in Thailand. I think it was PP Island, you know. Um, oh, yeah. We, he, he had a problem. He, like, cut, uh, he cut his ankle like, and his feet, so it was bleeding a lot. And then we went to this small clinic. They spoke English. And, yeah, he had, like, VIP treatment. I was like, wow. And it was, I don't know, in dollars? I think everything, like even a vaccine and everything he got was around, yeah, 60, 60 US dollars for everything. Like, wow. Yeah, it's just, yeah, ridiculous. Um, now, any last, uh, any, sorry, any final tips for foreigners who are thinking about going to Georgia either as a digital nomad or just, you know, just traveling around the country? Yeah, well, the, the first thing I would say is come because a lot of people don't even know that this country exists and it's absolutely beautiful and super cheap. It's a great option for vacation or for living. Um, if you want to come live in Georgia, I think my main tip is just to access all the Facebook groups. Um, so there's expats in Tbilisi, which is the capital city. There's expats in Batumi, which is the coastal city. There's uh, Georgian wanderers. There's foreigners of Georgia. Basically, you just type in foreigners, expats in Georgia and the city names. And a lot of these will come up. And there are people there that have been living here for even a decade. So everyone is really helpful. And if you have any any questions or something you're not sure about, you can definitely consult with these people that have more experience. Great, great. And um, yeah, the last thing I want to ask you is because in, at the beginning of the of this talk, you mentioned that 
you know, you were born in Brazil, moved to LA, then moved to Sao Paulo in Brazil. Now, um, I was going to ask, what do you miss from home? But could, I, could you also say, what is home for you? Is it Brazil? Is it the U.S.? Sure. Um, you know, being born in Brazil um, and having all my family in Brazil, all my best friends, um, I do consider Brazil to be my home. Whenever I go back there, I stay at my parents' house. Um, and that's an apartment they've had, you know, for many, many years. Um, so I do consider Brazil to be my home, but um, I have been traveling since 2014 and I feel like I feel more at home when I'm on the road now or living in a foreign country. Um, whenever I go back, some of my friends are, are married and have children and I'm not exactly in that phase of my life just yet. Um, so yeah, it doesn't always feel that comfortable and they all have their day jobs and I'm at home, you know, editing YouTube videos or whatever. <laughs> um, and I don't know, I just got used to like walking down the street and not like you hear people speaking, but you don't really understand what they're saying. And I kind of like that in a way, um, it's, you know, sometimes people say <laughs> stupid stuff on the street and it's actually nice if you don't understand them sometimes. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, I, I, I don't mean to sound cliche, but I think the road is a bit like home for me. Whenever I'm not on the road, I miss the road. Beautiful, beautiful. Very well said. And I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um, okay. Thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And, and I'll, I'll see you next time. All right. See you, Adu. For videos about life in different countries, interviews with expats and travel guides, go to youtube.com forward slash ready go expat.